Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Thursday, February the 1st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, what does the Alex Smith trade mean to the Miami Dolphins? Also, we'll open up the Twitter mailbag for your guys' questions. We'll talk about the Super Bowl and why it's a lose-lose for Finns fans. But the big draw of the episode, we are going to bring on Kevin Dern, formerly of the Finalysis podcast, to talk about Tony Oden, the Miami Dolphins' new defensive backs coach, and a potential scheme and personnel shift that could come along with him. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. You can follow the show at Locked on Fins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Kevin Dern will be writing a piece talking about the stubby coverage scheme package that could come over with Tony Oden from the Detroit Lions. So check that out here coming up pretty soon. And last but not least, check out the other Locked on Sports family of podcasts, including Locked on Heat podcast and Locked on NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. That's another Miami Dolphins. And it is first down here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And the first thing we're talking about tonight is, of course, the Alex Smith trade. He goes over to the Washington Redskins in exchange for a third-round pick, as well as Kendall Ford, the rookie cornerback, had a really impressive rookie year last year. And just kind of wanted to talk about what this means for the Miami Dolphins and the hot topic of the week. Of course, the NFL loves these blockbuster moves. It goes crazy for these big-time acquisitions or movings around the league. And this is, of course, one of the biggest ones when you get a quarterback moving teams, especially when this much money and a contract is tied up into a player, and especially when it comes from player like Alex Smith, who is, he is like Ryan Tannehill West, I guess if you want to call the Chiefs a Western team. He is a lightning rod for criticism. Some fans love him. Some fans hate him. Even though he was the highest rated quarterback in the NFL this year, still gets a lot of crap for whatever reason. I just, you know, you guys know how I feel about this quarterback tier system or ranking system. I feel like there are three or four quarterbacks. Let's just call it three. I'm not going to try to put Russell Wilson. He is probably my fourth guy. My three quarterbacks that you are basically you know what you're getting. You know you're getting Hall of Fame level type of play every single year. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Some could argue Ben Roethlisberger is in there. I would argue that he has kind of fallen back out of that pack a little bit the last couple of years as he has been a little bit reduced in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, but neither here nor there. My point is that quarterbacks in that kind of 5, 6, 7, all the way down to like 15, 16, 17, even up to 20 range, those quarterbacks have like a volatility range to them. What I mean by that is that those guys are capable of playing at a top five level any given year. They're also capable of having a bad year and playing like the 18th or 19th best quarterback in the NFL. Case in point, Cam Newton. Look at what he did in 2015. He was the best quarterback in the NFL that season by far. And then the last couple of years, not so much. You get Matt Ryan jumping up in 2016. Look at him this year kind of falling back into the pack of that 10 to 12 type of range. I mean, it's just such a volatile position in terms of which guys can make the climb. There's not a consistent top 10 every single year. It changes. It fluctuates. Of course it does. Sports are random, you know, occurrences and they just, you're not going to get the same type of thing, but we're getting off the rails already here. Let's get back onto what this trade means for the Miami Dolphins. Of course, Kirk Cousins will not be back in Washington. That means he is going to go to one of the quarterback needy teams. You figure it's going to be one of those teams picking in the top 10, just because that's kind of how it's going to go with the salary cap, as well as highest demand or need for quarterbacks. I suppose Jacksonville could jump in on him, but given their situation with Blake Bortles, the fifth year option, the wrist surgery, the injury that goes into that, 
Not too sure they can afford to bring Kirk Cousins on board along with Blake Bortles' $19 million cap hit, which, by the way, is what Ryan Tannehill will take against the cap for the Dolphins this year. So compare those two situations and think about how lucky we are to have that. But all it does is just kind of it reshuffles the need for quarterbacks around the league because now the Redskins are out, obviously. The Chiefs were always out with Patrick Mahomes. And now you're going to have a third team that will be out once they assign Kirk Cousins. So not only does this change the picks in the top 10 part of the draft, like there's not going to be, let's say, the Denver Broncos sign Kirk Cousins, which is where I think he'll wind up going. So they'll probably be out of the quarterback market come draft time. But it also removes the Redskins out of the potential trade-up scenario where they could leapfrog the Dolphins or even trade with the Dolphins to come up and get like a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Allen or whoever it might be, Josh Rosen, could be any those three guys that don't that fall down the draft if that were to happen so it just kind of reshuffles the deck gets things back into another order that we didn't play on so the Dolphins are going to have to go ahead and kind of reshuffle their board reshuffle their expectations of what free agency looks like that's kind of every year you go into the offseason with a plan of what you think is going to happen your contingency to that plan in case that does not happen and you have to have plans a b and c to go ahead and react accordingly and I think the Dolphins are going to already have to exercise plan b because this just this changes things that's plain simple it changes things and it makes you know it just makes the availability for certain quarterbacks and different teams that need quarterbacks, it changes it. So that's the first part about that I wanted to talk about. The second part was the contract. We all saw what Alex Smith is getting in guarantees, over $70 million guaranteed over four years. We are getting closer and closer to the first ever fully guaranteed contract. I don't know that's ever going to happen, but we're getting closer and closer to it. Alex Smith at 34 years old, getting that four-year extension. So he's going to play with the Redskins until he's 38 years old and eat up a decent amount of their cap during every single year of that deal. What does that mean for the Dolphins in terms of where Ryan Tannehill ranks with his contract? And he's only he's only eating up $19.8 million of the Dolphins' cap next year. And you might say, well, that's a huge chunk. Well, it's not because that's the going rate for quarterbacks and especially starting quarterbacks and especially good starting quarterbacks, which the Dolphins have in Ryan Tannehill, as he is pretty firmly placed in the 15th place or 15th order in the ranking order in terms of where quarterbacks are paid from a cap hit standpoint. And he's going to get jumped or bumped down to 17th after of course, after Kirk Cousins signs, as well as Drew Brees gets his new contract. So Ryan Tannehill, 17th highest paid quarterback in terms of cap hit against the Dolphins. That is a very team-friendly deal. He has been on a team-friendly a team friendly deal for the last couple of years now since that extension. So Ryan Tannehill on a very good contract, making less than Alex Smith, going to be making a lot less than Kirk Cousins, making less than Derek Carr, less than Matt Stafford, less than Matt Ryan. All these guys that are, I guess perceived as a much better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill by a lot of people. I don't feel that way. I think he's kind of in that exact same group, but he has a lower contract, a lower cap hit. So it just kind of shows you where the pecking order is in terms of quarterbacks across the NFL. Ryan Tannehill on a very team-friendly deal for the Miami Dolphins. All right, guys, real quick before we get into the Twitter mailbag and answer your questions from the Locked On Dolphins podcast, I got to tell you guys about mybookie.ag. The big game is here, and it's time to cash in big and bet on the big game at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out yet, this is the perfect weekend to go ahead and get into the action. Do you have a hunch on who's going to win the game, the coin toss, what color the Gatorade the winning coach will be wearing after the team dumps it on him? Log on now, check out the props, and get in on the action. Don't just watch the game, lay down some money and be a part of it. It's a lot more fun when you have money on the action. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the industry-leading online sportsbook, and its players enjoy the fastest payouts in the business when they win. That's why I recommend you make your way to MyBookie today. You win, they pay without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after kickoff. Join now and score free cash to place your Super Bowl wager on the house. Right now, MyBookie is giving away up to $1,000 to every new player. Sign up today and score an instant 50% bonus on your first deposit. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get a $150 bankroll to play with right up front. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON for your free 50% bonus of your first deposit. Play, win, and get paid with mybookie.ag. 
All right, let's get back into the football here. And you guys know the drill for the Twitter mailbag. I put out the call on Twitter. You guys respond. You get your question answered on the air as well as a Twitter shout out here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. First question comes from Casey Williams at it's CWizzy underscore most attractive free agent you see Miami actually pursuing. That is a tough, tough question because we just don't know the, I guess, the connections there. I know a lot of names have been floated out there. We don't really know yet who it's going to be. I would say you're probably looking at more of Let's go to the two guys from the Detroit Lions. I'll say Tahir Whitehead, the linebacker, and the safety, Tavon Wilson, just because of the connections with the coaching staff, Chris Kosarek and Tony Oden coming over. So I think those two guys would make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Next question comes from Decides at Decides01. What up, Carl? Haven't talked to you in a while, man. How much should McMillan be counted on? He's a second-year rookie returning from a big injury. I think he. I think they kind of have to count on him. I think that the point where this linebacker grew is right now with Lawrence Timmons not working out, Kiko Alonso not really working out like we hoped he would. I think you have to expect him to be a you know, 80% plus snap guy from year one. I mean, he's got to get that rehab going. He got injured very early in the season. So that's a, I guess a bonus in terms of getting him back for the following season. I think he's going to be one of the guys you rely on the most for this defense as being a heavy snap eater for the Dolphins defense. So I will say they're very reliant on Raekwon McMillan in 2018. Next question comes from Jesse Vogel at Jesse Vogel one. If Gaze goes eight and eight or below in 2018, hot seat too soon. And what I would say to this, Jesse, is that it's all it all requires context. I mean, what if another season like this one happens where you have just un you know, really unfathomable circumstances? I know that that was a very unique season for the Miami Dolphins, but I just want context added to that. I don't put baselines on anything black. It's not always black and white, just like with, you know, the Ryan Tannehill debate, for instance. You gotta have context behind these things. It's not just about record and all that stuff. So of course if he goes eight and eight, you start to question that a little bit, question his his uh, long-standing job security. To give you an answer, I will say if he has a, a losing season again, that automatic job security that he has right now is gone, and then you start thinking about potentially making a move if he doesn't respond in 2019. So not the hot seat yet, a bad season. He will lose that automatic job security. Next question comes from Greg Larson at GSL Now. We should trade back in the first round and get extra picks, or maybe twice. I believe an extra second or third pick, we can really get some quality players. Do you agree? I do agree. I want to trade back just because I think that what the board will look like when we get there won't be what we want. Unless Derwin James makes it to us, which I don't think he's going to. I don't think him or Marcus Davenport makes it to us. I know that's not a popular opinion. If either of those guys is there, I would pounce on them. If not, I would absolutely trade back, provided that Bradley Chubb, Minka Fitzpatrick, all these guys are gone as well. I would trade back and get more picks and get into that kind of middle to late first round where you can probably grab like a tight end or an offensive lineman, one of those guys that you value, but it's just too high to take them at 11. Next question comes from Mike at mgrande0311. What positions need to be upgraded the most to ensure success next season? I would say probably something along the offensive line, whether that's the guard, center, or tight end. I'm going to include tight end there because I think the Dolphins have to get back to running the football to help Ryan Tannehill. That's where he's as best in the play action game. So I'll go with the offensive line slash tight end position there. Next question comes from Angel Contreras at a underscore Contreras 88. Is first round mock drafting for the Dolphins more enjoyable with a higher pick since the big board is smaller? I think so. I mean, you don't have to get through so many guys. There's more attractive names available to you there. So I would say yes, absolutely it is. Next question comes from A. Hendricks 4 at A. Hendricks IV. So the Roman numerals for four. If we lose Jarvis Landry to free agency, would it be wise to sign Terrell Pryor, maybe sign him to a prove-it contract. I don't think that's the replacement you're looking for. If you're signing Terrell Pryor, he's probably coming in to replace Devontae Parker, so I wouldn't correlate those two in terms of replacing one or the other, but it's a guy to look at for sure. He's probably going to get a lot of money, though. If we're looking at a big body receiver, a perimeter type of guy, in free agency, the guy that I want is uh, Allen Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Next question comes from Julian Luco at Julian underscore Luco. Can Kenny Stills play more in the slot and be effective? 
You know, that's a tough question. I think that Adam Gaze likes all these guys to be able to play three positions on this offense. I think Kenny Stills is one of those guys that can. I think that a lot of what Kenny Stills does well is he he's not really a quick strider or a, a quick, a quick fast kind of guy. He's a build up to speed kind of guy. So maybe he can't be as effective as some of those shiftier slot receivers, but I think he can give you some of those deep crossing routes in that slot position that really seem to work for Jarvis Landry. I think he could have some success, but he's not ideal in the slot. I've got one more question, but I want to get my guest on to answer that question on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. And joining the podcast now is my longtime buddy, former co-host of the Finalysis podcast, Kevin Dern at KevinMD4 on Twitter. Kevin, what's happening, man? Oh, not too much. Thanks for having me on tonight, Trav. Yeah, of course, bud. You are my go-to guy for everything defense, and especially the wide now with the Miami Dolphins. I have learned more from this guy than probably just about any resource I have in terms of learning the game from an X's and O's standpoint. So I wanted to bring Kevin on because these coaching staff changes we have made. I talked to Chris Kaufman on the on the podcast last episode, and he talked a little bit about how the Dolphins are kind of putting their trust in the coaching staff being able to kind of put these players they currently have, and it kind of makes sense when you think about Andre Branch and Kiko Alonso and how they're basically stuck here in Miami. And they're talking about how these coaches are going to try to put those guys in more advantageous situations to get better production rather than cleaning house and going that route. So I wanted to bring Kevin on and talk a little bit about the new defensive backs coach, uh, Tony Oden. I get it wrong almost every time. Tony Oden and kind of what he can bring from a coverage standpoint, what it means for the possible or the possibility of free agents coming over or just kind of the schemes and coverages. So Kevin, turn me on to this scheme or do you call it a coverage? I guess it's a coverage scheme. Uh, it's a type of coverage. Okay. Yeah. So a type of coverage and it's called stubby and it's, it was, uh, I guess made famous by Nick Saban and it has some other roots as well throughout the course or throughout the NFL as well as college football. So Kevin, if you could take the four force here, you, you threw some comments at me on a message board today talking about, you know, some of these terms that I, I guess the layman wouldn't understand, but just kind of go through what this means when you use it and how could it could impact the Dolphins defense. Sure. So, um, it, it is a, it is a coverage. It's not a, a scheme in itself. Um, so just to get that out of the way, you'll still see Miami probably running, a lot of the two man, a lot of cover one stuff when they're in, you know, a base personnel package, the stubby coverage comes in. It's more of a specialty coverage when you're going to see three, four, five wide receivers or three wide receivers with the tight end, um, especially when there's trips to one side. So, you know, a team playing the dolphins that would see that three by one set that Adam Gase always runs would run it. Um, Nick Saban's used it quite a bit. He used it back all the way in his Michigan State days. He used it some here with the Dolphins when he was the coach here. Um, probably the most prominent user of it right now is Gary Patterson, the head coach at TCU. Um, I know the Arizona Cardinals um, ran a version of it um, a couple of years ago. I didn't watch any Cardinals games over the past year. Um, Detroit runs a lot of DB heavy packages, and I think – you know, you and Chris talked about that, and then people have talked about it on the the Finns message board, where you know they they had sixty Bs on the field quite a bit. I think they played seventy Bs, you know, what you would call a prevent or quarter package, like the third most snaps in the league behind the Patriots and Jets. So, I definitely think it's something that you can see Tony Oden try and bring. I think it kind of jives with all the stuff that Joe Shad talked about with T.J. McDonald being a hybrid player and. That Tracy Howard kid they signed to a futures contract. He's a corner. They're converting to safety, which is something Tony Oden did. But anyway, the the main stubby aspect I've seen used it was the the Cardinals one, and they used to run this. 
Um, I, I remember seeing it on uh, what was the series they had on Amazon? Oh, the All or Nothing series. That's a yeah. great show. Yeah. So the All or Nothing series, you know, they ran the defense that year and you know almost made it to the Super Bowl. So anyway, you know, there's a diagram I found out, and they're playing the Rams. It's a game from 2015. Patrick Peterson gets a game-clinching interception. And what you have is the Rams are basically running three wide receivers, so they got a trips look into the boundary, and then there's one running back in the backfield next to the quarterback, one receiver to the to the wide side out by himself, so the three-by-one. And essentially what the stubby is is it allows you to sort of play pattern matching through the middle of the field, which – I think is one aspect that'll help the Dolphins, especially, you know, if they still have Kiko Alonso out there taking coverage snaps or they aren't able to get, you know, a fast safety this offseason. But essentially what you have with the coverage is you read the receivers from the outside in. So the guy closest to the sideline is one, two, three, you know, and so on. So they're gonna have one guy, one corner playing what they call Meg coverage, M E G which is man everywhere he goes. So that corner is on the number one receiver to the trip side, no matter what. He can play press, he can play off, whatever. He's got that receiver. So that he he kind of just is one-on-one no matter what. They had their slot corner and then the safety to that short side of the field, the trip side of the field, are going to sort of play a pattern match on it. So um, the slot corner is going to read the number two receiver, the, the guy in the middle, and then to the number three. Um, there's a great video on YouTube about Nick Saban explaining it. Um, it's like a half an hour long, so I didn't have time to go all the way through it. But essentially what teams do is they'll teach their corner, you have this guy unless this guy crosses your face towards the sideline before a certain landmark. It could be five yards, depending on down and distance. It could be seven, ten, you know, whatever the case may be. So the number two guy has the number two receiver unless he breaks to the outside. Then he's got him man-to-man. If the number three guy breaks to the outside, then he's going to switch off with that safety. And the safety will pick up number two. The slot corner picks up number three. Now, the Cardinals in this look, I think, have Dion Buchanan kind of playing, you know, sort of the right linebacker. They're in what looks like a typical nickel front that you would have seen from the Dolphins last year. He's going to be what they call their, their wall man. So he's going to try and prevent number three from getting any clean release to the inside of the field. So they're going to try and have him sort of cut him off on a crossing route, or if he's running sort of a dig or an in cut, he's going to try and get in that guy's way and slow him up, which plays into the other side of the field. The other linebacker who's on the left side, the, the wide side in the picture, he's right about in between the middle of the hashes. He's going to play the hook zone, and then usually after that, they're going to read from the hook to the curl to the flat. So he's probably going to end up picking up the back if the back releases um, to the flat to his side. If the back releases to the other side, he's just going to kind of drift over and cover that curl zone to the short side of the field. Now here's where it gets interesting, and this is why Arizona has Patrick Peterson doing this. He's lined up as the left corner, which is going to be their trap flat guy. And then they have Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, sort of lined up. Not quite in a single high look, but he's considerably deeper than the other safety. So what Patrick Peterson's going to do, he's lined up about eight yards off that first receiver. Obviously, I don't know the Cardinals' rule for this, but he's going to read that third receiver from the trip side. And if he crosses that near side hash to, to Patrick Peterson before the number one receiver gets to a certain depth on the field, he's going to break up and cut off 
that number three guy coming across. So essentially it traps the quarterback and you're trying to influence him into thinking, you know, it's man to man. And then in the picture, the deep safety is kind of rotating over. So it almost looks like they're doubling that guy. But in reality, Patrick Peterson's got kind of has a two way go and that safety is going to pick up number one. If Patrick Peterson jumps that route in the flat. And that's exactly what happened on the play. Patrick Peterson picked it off. Arizona won the game. Um, there's other variations of it. I know Nick Saban's got a bunch of them where, you know, both cornerbacks end up playing man-to-man, or at least the guys that are the widest on the field end up playing man-to-man, and they pattern match with, you know, a slot corner and a linebacker or a slot corner and a receiver. Um, I'm going to put together a piece hopefully in the next three, four days and kind of do a deeper dive into that as well as some of the other things we may see from Tony Oden that he brings over. But uh, I think the thing that's most encouraging to me is that all these moves kind of coupled together signify that it, it, at the very least Miami's fully aware they had some deficiencies on third down. And I know you and Ian Wharton and, and you and Chris Kaufman talked about that on previous podcasts. So I think it's great that they're aware. I think now, you know, sort of they got to go out and shop for some of the parts they need to, to kind of make this coverage still work. And, and to me, you know, they probably need one more safety who has a lot of speed and can cover, um, especially if you look at Detroit last year. You know, they drafted Tease Tabor, a cornerback out of Florida, and basically kind of made him into a, a sub-package safety. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, if Miami does that. And they've kind of sniffed around guys like Damon Webb, Trayvon Henderson, you know, they added Marie Smith to the roster as an undrafted guy last year. They have the Tracy Howard kid now. Uh, they snuck Trey Elston onto the roster for the Week 17 game. So I think you can kind of see where, where they're going. And it's encouraging. I just hope they, they get it right. But uh, but that's my explanation of, of the stubby coverage in a nutshell. And you'll be able to find that piece from Kevin on LockedOnDolphins.com. Sometime next week we'll put it up and we'll announce it on Twitter. Uh, but, Kevin, I have plenty of questions for you here after that great explanation of that coverage. And I'm going to go ahead and just get into a few of them here. So the first thing that I, I noticed from you talking about that is that it sounds like you have to have pretty smart defenders, guys that can you know be in their playbook and be you know be studi- students of the game in terms of finding out what those patterns look like, that pattern matching thing, talking about certain landmarks. That's a, that's a lot of thinking that goes on in the game. The second thing I was thinking about was, you know, you talked about how it's a good sign these guys are making these corrections and getting that stuff figured out. It's it's really refreshing for me to hear about a Dolphins coaching staff recognizing flaws or shortcomings they may have had and making the necessary adjustments to go ahead and fix that because they were one of the worst third and long defenses. I think the very worst third and long defense and some other bad stats in terms of their, you know, running defense and nickel packages, that type of thing. So what I'd like for you to do for me, Kevin, is if you can place our current personnel into those coverages and who would fit there. I mean, it sounds to me like maybe Cordray Tankersley could be that read kind of guy. Cause I saw a lot of plays last year where he would kind of do the flat trap and, and kind of peel off and do that different type of stuff. So maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Let me know on that. And also who could we add? You talked about Trayvon Henderson. You talked about Damon Webb. You talked about Maurice Smith. Who are some guys we could add to go ahead and complete this defense to go along with the person that we have right now? Yeah, so um, I guess kind of I'll tackle it in reverse. Uh, guys that you can add, I think the obvious choice is, is Tavon Wilson. He's a free agent from Detroit, so obviously Tony Oden is familiar with him there. Um, I'll still bang the drum for adding to hear Whitehead at linebacker uh, just because he's versed in that system. Um, I think in terms of you know safeties that can cover, if you're going to break the bank a little bit, I think Trey Boston is a really interesting one. Um, 
you know, Tyvon Branch is still kind of kicking around the league. You might be able to do some things that way. Um, we, I know you and Ian talked about Minka Fitzpatrick. I think all things considered, and especially in light of the coaching moves, he might be the, the number one guy if he got to, to number 11 for me personally as a, as a Dolphins fan on my board. Um, placing our personnel in there right now, I think just based on Joe Shad's article and what they've said, TJ McDonald is going to end up being sort of that hybrid linebacker, the Dion Buchanan. And this is in this instance that we were talking about. Um, I think Rashad Jones has shown pretty good capability to, to kind of read the ball and react. Um, so I think you could have him as sort of that safety. That's a little closer to the line of scrimmage and kind of helping read with the slot corner. I think the piece that they're missing right now is, that deep safety who's kind of a, a corner safety hybrid. I think that's the thing they're still lacking. Um, but like I said, they've got a number of guys they've tried there. As far as the two perimeter corners, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I think they tried some of that stuff with Cordray Tankersley, and, and the first Patriots game kind of comes to mind where he, he kind of had some blown assignments. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I was thinking more along the lines of he could be the man everywhere he goes guy, um, which is kind of opposite of what I posted in the thread, having given it some further thought. <laughs> and I think Xavier Howard, they did try and have him sort of travel with receivers. Um, I'm pretty sure he did it against Julio Jones in Atlanta. So I think both of those guys could probably handle the man every man everywhere he goes aspect. But I think just kind of given that Xavier Howard kind of has a little bit more of a deficiency with his long speed and he doesn't have that, that height and that reach, I'd kind of be tempted to put him, you know, in that trap flat corner spot if they use it just because he is pretty quick in short areas. Um, but even then they might be good enough at press man that you, you don't really see a whole lot of that trap coverage and they may stick with more of the man on the outside and kind of use those match pattern match looks interior with the slot guys, the safeties and the linebackers. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I think they still need that, that deep safety with speed though. And here you talk about the roles for Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. That just sounds like a perfect defense for the personnel we have at that position. So really curious to see what happens in the offseason. I think that the moves we make will really dictate what they're going to do exactly. And Kevin, before you get out of here, before we close the show up tonight, I have one Twitter mailbag question I wanted to ask you. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, it comes from Daryl at, <laughs> this is a great uh, handle, at Daryl Leaked. <laughs> is, <laughs> is this Super Bowl a referendum on the wide nine? Philly wins, then they're the copycat league's new blueprint to beating the Patriots. If Schwartz and the Ross, and that roster gets picked apart, then maybe Miami should go back to the drawing board. So I guess the, the, the uh, shorthand of that question is, does the Super Bowl kind of change your opinion of the wide nine one way or the other? Well, I'll give them the cold blue steel answer on that one, just to, <laughs> to add a Zulian to reference in there. But uh, um, I don't necessarily think it does, because um, I mean Philadelphia had the number one running defense in the entire league this past season, so I mean that aspect works for them. Um, Miami beat New England using the wide nine on Monday Night Football. Um, I think Miami's got a little more familiarity with the Patriots, so. You know, if, if Tom Brady comes out and shreds Philly, um, I'd be mildly surprised just given how, how well they played. But, you know, if they do, I still don't think that's going to change Miami's approach. And I think if you end up using some of these different things and adding more DBs on it, it's going to make it harder for Tom Brady um, 
provided that Miami still gets more consistency from their pass rush. I think that's the biggest weakness in terms of the pass defense still is their pass rush was so inconsistent. But long story short, um, I still think the wide nine works for Miami. Um, they've kind of gone too far down that road, in my opinion, to, to kind of revert back now. I got you. Give me one word on this answer. Who wins the Super Bowl on Sunday, Kevin? Philly. Wow. Going with the Eagles. I'm taking the Pats. I, I just I can't pick against them anymore. I think I've been burned too many times. So he's got the Eagles. I have the Patriots. Kevin, that's all I need from you tonight, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Travis. He is Kevin Dern at KevinMD4 on Twitter. He has that piece coming up. I want to say Monday, maybe Tuesday for the uh, talking about the stubby coverage and kind of giving you a better explanation with photographs to kind of give you the idea of what the image looks like. So real quick, I'm kind of short on time talking about the Super Bowl because I said I would in this episode. I just see this game as a lose-lose for Dolphins fans. I mean, the Patriots win, you know, it's it sucks because they always win and I'm getting sick of seeing our, a team in our division just dominate the NFL and dominate all of sports and the conversation that goes around that. But if the Eagles win, I, I don't really care for the Eagles too much, man. Plus Jay Ajayi, he just kind of rubs me the wrong way these days. So, you know, I don't even know who I want to root for in this game, to be honest with you. I think that both teams winning is a lose-lose for us. So just not going to be a fun Super Bowl. Just, I guess, enjoy the beer and the food and the commercials as best you can and all your friends and your company too. So let's get out of here and call it a show. As that is going to do it for tonight's Locked On Dolphins podcast, be sure to subscribe to the show, leave us a rating and review, and check out the other Locked On Sports Family podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And of course, at Locked On NFL on Twitter, as well as their Facebook page. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written Dolphins content needs. Be back on Monday with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast presented by MyBookie.ag, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Is there a reason why?